0: Hi, it's Laura Delph with Pan Society. Thanks for joining me on Modern Animism Radio. Delane is riding shotgun today, and he's going to take us to the realm of extraterrestrials and spirituality. So today, it's Sirius and Pleiades and Orion, oh my. (laughs) Delane,
1: thanks for coming. Uh, Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let's just jump right in. You've got a really interesting story, and... Yeah, so let's get to it. So can you tell us uh, your story and how you got interested in ETs and UFOs?
1: Well, um, it began in my uh, early childhood. Um, I always had an affinity towards that. Um, You know, watching shows like Star Trek and all of those things seemed very plausible to me and they didn't seem too much like science fiction. It just seemed like, wow, we're just not there yet, Um, Uh you know, and we just maybe haven't perhaps uh, advanced far enough yet in our current density. Um, And then, of course, you know, years later, um, I knew there was some kind of connection with the the alien beings and tech and the pyramids and and so forth. So it kind Uh of all began um, early on.
0: But you've had experiences, though, haven't you?
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me about that.
1: Well, one of those uh happened when I was this was probably in uh nineteen eighty four. Um uh approximately nineteen eighty four. Um somewhere in that year. And it was kind of uh kind of cold out, probably October, November. And um a girlfriend and and my myself were uh out in these uh, little areas called the ponds that were near my house. And uh, and we were uh, out there in our car, um, out in the woods there, listening to some music and uh, kind of relaxing in the back seat and just you kind know, of having a, a good time. And um, so at some point um, I got out to use the bathroom. And when I did, I looked over the tree line that was probably – 300 yards away and just over the tree line was this uh, orange reddish ball of, uh, of light um, something that really wasn't solid um, but it wasn't transparent either it was just kind of this mix of orangish reddish uh, of course now I know that was a, an energy ball of some sort or, or a, a probe device or something like that so mm-hmm. I looked at it and um i called her i was like judy get out you got to see this and uh so she got out she's seen it too and so i uh immediately popped my trunk lid and pulled out my rifle i had a 22 rifle with a four power scope and uh so she's like don't shoot it and i'm like well i'm not going to shoot it i just want to look at it through the scope to get a clear you know image mm-hmm. um so that uh, provided a little bit more insight, but but you know all it did was just magnify it so I could see it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was moving very slowly. And so then I pulled out a little handheld uh, uh, handheld monoscope telescope uh, that was a ten to thirty power. And I went on ten power, and then I went to thirty power, and thirty power just made it fill up the whole objective lens. Uh huh. Um, which later kind of gave me a measure of about how big this ball was, um, which I, I figured the ball was somewhere around around, and um, so anyway, um, you know, it's just moving along slowly, along in a direction parallel to this uh, this highway there out in, in Alamac, and uh, so I said, well, hey, let's go, I'm going to we jumped in the car and went racing down out to the end of the road, and I was going to go down and to intercept it. And uh, in the process of doing that, uh, and glancing back and forth at it, it it just in one of my glances, it just wasn't there anymore. It was just gone. So, uh, so yeah, that was the first experience.
0: There seem to be two different types of people: those who want to go and intercept it, and those who want to run away from it. <laughs> what would you have done if it had been there? <laughs>
1: well i i, I, I don't I have had no fear um, I'm a curious kind of person, and I figured you know if if this thing was out to hurt me, it would have already hurt me if it was mm. of some higher intelligence, it would have already zapped me, so to speak, and I would have been blasted into smithereens, and we wouldn't be having this conversation uh-huh. so um, my my thought was you know, let's check this out, uh, you know, how bad could it be? Um, (laughs) that's (laughs) brave.
0: Yeah. So have you done any other types of things to make contact?
1: Consciously? Yeah, consciously I have, um, in some of the, um, meditation processes I've done, I've attempted to make contact and, uh, and doing certain psychedelic experiences. Um, um, Also attempted it uh, when I went to the Monroe Institute. Um, I went there and joined a program called the Gateway Voyage Program for a week. Um, That was about going to these different focus levels and and so forth. And uh, I've made several attempts, but I don't know that I've made, uh, you know, full contact. You know, I have it. Haven't had anything speak to me in the conscious realm, anyway. That may be happening uh-huh. when I'm sleeping. I'm sure, but but not not on the conscious level.
0: Uh huh. Okay. So no, like past life regression or anything like that.
1: No, haven't done that yet. Um, that that is on the bucket list to do. Um, after having attending a attended a. Uh, um, introspective hypnosis course uh, in North Carolina that was uh, done by uh, Alba Wyman and Antonio Sangio a little plug for them um, but uh, it was a pretty awesome uh, pretty awesome course and um, kind of you know delved into that a little bit
0: mm-hmm. okay so what about a Stephen Greer type group? I'm not really sure about what that is. Honestly, I've just heard like little snippets of conversation about that. Have you done anything like that? And if so, what is Uh, it?
1: (laughs) Okay, basically the the Stephen Greer uh, protocol that he developed, um, I think around the time of uh, 1996 maybe, if I'm I'm correct, Um, he developed this thing that's called coherent thought sequencing which um, is a fancy term for having heart brain coherence or getting a group of people together that are tuning in to a specific channel um, similarly just like we would on our, our radio station you know we dial in the 104.9 and that's that particular station and 104.10 you're going to get static So in this kind of protocol, you go through a guided meditative process to where everybody is on a certain focus uh, point and all thinking and feeling and projecting at the same time so that they're being a receiver and a transmitter at the same time. And in so doing this um, and using uh, lasers, it's uh, they are attracted to laser light, and um, then they start showing up, um, and and sometimes they show up. Uh, you know, they'll make themselves present just to those that are there in that protocol.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: so that's a little bit of background about it.
0: And have you experienced
1: that? Uh, yes, I did. Um, there's a guy named uh, Greg Sullivan um, that I know in uh, from uh, from from Okinawa, Japan. He's actually stationed or actually, he's actually out of mainland Japan. But um, a, a friend of mine introduced me to him and said, "Yeah, you know, uh, Greg Sullivan's going to come to Okinawa and he's going to be doing part of the Stephen Greer protocol." Um, and you um, know, he said, "Would you like to join?" So I talked to Greg a little bit on the phone and he said, yeah, we're going to be here at this location. So um, the guy, uh, you know, landed, uh, drove 40 minutes to the location. We uh, met up. There was seven of us. Um, we went to a one beach location and uh, we started the protocol, but he wasn't quite uh, quite feeling it. Um, in its fullness and uh and i had and i happened to bring the only laser that we had and he said yeah i forgot my laser and i'm like well here i've got mine and i handed my laser over to him let him do the honors so we spent a little bit of time there at that location and nothing was going down so he says let's go to this other spot so we went to this other spot which we found out later was a hot spot in the local community of uh, of contact or or mm-hmm. at least on a, a visual scale anyway uh-huh. and um so we all went down on this little grassy area overlooking the ocean about maybe 150 feet from the ocean actually and uh with an elevation of about probably 40 feet above sea level and we're all in a circle with our hands um, under and over each other, but not touching each other, in a circle, and he's off on the side there, guiding us through the thought processes and where to go in our mind and our consciousness and our heart, and how to project our loving intention in in welcoming them to to visit us. So we're 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 in this for about. 35 minutes maybe 40 minutes something like that right about the point where I'm starting to get bored actually Mm -hmm. and then suddenly one of the Japanese ladies that were there said suddenly and uh, that means look over there you know in an excited kind of way so we all looked out over the ocean um, near this island called uh, Kodaka and um, at a probably a distance of about five miles out and maybe less than a thousand feet up was this object this bright light that was just kinda dancing around, you know, was it totally stationary but it had that little jittery movement which I've later come to know that is is just part of the process of of being in the earth density using that particular propulsion system and using the, the Earth's magnetics and everything. So it's, uh, you know, constantly trying to tune in and, and stay in a stable position. Or at least that's uh, what I've come to understand. So mm-hmm. um, so this thing is, you know, doing it, dancing around. And um, we had all broken circle and were standing facing it with our hands out and just, you know, welcome it and doing our own internal thoughts. And then I suddenly meant to. This was supposed to be internal, but uh, it come out. I just said, um, "Please come closer." And then I was like, "Oh crap!" I just said that out loud, and I'm <laughs> like, "Well, well, everybody's heard it now, so you know, it, you know, I'll just say it again." And I said it again, and within b- less than five seconds, it come closer by. A measure of about half the distance mm. in a kind of a linear track not straight at us but at a slight angle and and we're just like wow and I said do you guys see this and then it charged up it got brighter got really bright and I think it was just acknowledging that intention of asking it to come closer it was saying hey I I hear you and here's the evidence of that transmission. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we looked at it, and we were like, wow, wow, wow. And then a little bit later, it got dimmer, and then it started backing up in the distance, and then it kind of turned reddish translucent, and kind of sparkling red, and then it just disappeared. And no sooner than that happened, Greg says, okay, show's over. Let's go home. You know, like... Uh, <laughs> Like, okay, we've uh, been here and done that, which he's done many, many times. So mm-hmm. for him, his his job was done, and there was no sense in hanging around anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the propulsion. Um, how do aliens get here? Like how, what are the mechanics of that?
1: Well, um, as I understand it, um, and a lot of this – this information I've recently learned through channeled information um, by uh, Michael Newton and Dolores Cannon and some of her, her books, uh, you know, called The Keepers of the Garden and The Convoluted Universe. And in this channeled works, they talk more about how it's not a, a matter of doing multiple factors of the speed of light, as it is of thinking yourself to that other location. So um, these fifth dimensional beings that were channeling this information um, through these subjects, they just said, you know, basically, we're a light being in that density, and we basically think ourselves there. And then once we get there, um, we manifest a spacecraft and then go into this density, and that may not be true with all of them. Some of them may have, you know, craft that they travel around the, the, the galaxies and the universe all the time. Um, even in these works, they talk about there's trade routes and and all of this out in the galaxies, and and we're just not we just happen to not be in on a, on a trade route, but we're in a location on this beautiful planet, and they're very curious about us, and they've been trying to guide us and help us uh, for many, many eons.
0: So if they're traveling on thoughts, are they energy beings or physical, and are their craft energy or physical? Or is, is that, like, the wrong question? Am I not understanding?
1: Um, I think they're both. Um, I think it depends on uh, which type of uh, beings that we're talking about uh, okay. and just how their their particular technological levels that they have. I'm sure just like us, there's uh, people that aren't too smart, and then you have geniuses and savants and so forth here on Earth. And out, mm-hmm. in, uh, the, out in space, I think that's the same way where they have different tech for where they're at in their time space and their technological advancements, um, so it's kind of a uh, it's kind of hard to know what is the full truth of it. Um, I think they're both they're inter- interdimensional, and then some of the channeled works say that some of the crafts are connected mentally to them. That when they're in the craft, they just Think where they want the craft to go, and they go. And so it's a mechanical bio um, mix of a craft, which is, you know, on our level here is just hard to fathom. You know, we, we yeah. it's just hard for us to put that in the context of understanding. Mm-hmm.
0: So how about the language piece? So how does uh, you know? I mean, all the cultures on earth have different languages. I imagine the interdimensional people or creatures do too. So how do they how do they understand our symbols, our words? How does the language thing happen?
1: It uh, my understanding is that it happens pretty pretty automatic. That that language is just information and frequency and it doesn't matter what language they have. They can talk to us in our native language. Um, you know, a lot of people that have been abductees here say that the, the aliens talk to them in their language. And uh, and sometimes, you know, like in the channeled works, they say that sometimes they're just not the words um, in the English language to even describe some of the context and some of the things that they would like to, to say, because we we don't have a frame of reference uh, yeah. for those mm-hmm. things.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned abductees. What? Um, why would somebody be abducted?
1: Well, sometimes um, there there was agreements many many years ago. Um, with uh with eisenhower and uh in an et race they actually had uh, a landings, a couple of landings one of them was at Holloman air force base and uh there was an ag- agreement there that they would give us tech and if we could have dna so our agreement with them was that we would, uh, they would give us all the names of who they took DNA from. Um, and, and I think that was pretty much uh, if someone was to remember, then they could go in there and say, no, this didn't happen to you. Um, you're crazy, and let me get you a psychologist and, and a special little jacket to wear in a rubber room. And mm-hmm. then that way it would shut those people up, you know, so they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't talk or speak about it um but yeah a lot of people have had abductions um where they have clear memories of being in a a craft shows up They're well let's start back they're going down a country road and all of a sudden there's these bright lights and then all of a sudden they're transfixed by this beam of light and then they're in a craft and then they're these beings are coming over them and they're they're uh, taking DNA and taking samples, and 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 it's somewhat frightening uh, to most humans. And then, of course, they wipe the memory, and then put them back in their car, and then their car will start again. And then they're like, "Okay, well, what happened?" And then they go talk to somebody, and they do a you know hypnosis, and under hypnosis, the the conscious mind knows everything that's happened to you in right. in this lifetime and all your others. And so at that point, um, they're able to remember part of it, but yet not be able to fully, fully explain it.
0: So are there any other signs of an abduct, abductee other than lost time?
1: Um there are a couple of things. There are people that have uh, strange marks that suddenly appear on their body that are quite unexplained. They'll have these uh, these kind of uh, looks like burn marks or things that are in a particular pattern. And um, I think that those are things where they've connected a device to them or, um, you know, some highly... Uh, technical med- medical apparatus to gain information or and, and in some cases people have probes that have been put in there there's been thousands of people that have had something bothering them and they go to the, they go to the hospital and, and they dig underneath their skin and they find a small little probe device um, of various materials that is quite unexplained of how it got there and why it's there, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, certain government factions that have been very interested in these things. And the the hospital will call these people and say, "Hey, we found another one of these devices," and somebody mm-hmm. will come over in a in a in a dark suit uh, with no name and say, "Yeah, I'd like to take a look at that, and and can we have this?" And then they take off with it because our government, some three letter agencies, are very curious about this, and I'm sure by now they they know that these are um, these are tracking devices.
0: Well, it, and that really bothers me because you know it's really unethical for the government to make an agreement that they're not, you know, the the participating person to and be like, okay, you can go get Bob over there and abduct him. Is that what you're telling me is happening?
1: <laughs> it, exactly. Well, Hmm. you see, in in their way of thinking, um, it's all about power and greed and control. So, you know, um, they they want the the technology so they can have the power over other people. And and of course, if you get in a setting like this where you have these people sitting around, let's just say, let's just say a, a MJ12. Um, let's just go there for a second. Um, shortly after the Roswell crashes, that's plural, by the way, um, the uh, the government suddenly, you know, came up with a campaign. It's the weather balloon, and they tried to vilify everybody that said they seen a craft. So they created a a a, uh, a faction called MJ12 or Majestic 12. And this was a council of 12 people that would decide the outcome of the information received and what's given to the public and, and so forth. Um, so, so, so basically, if, if they had the ability to get this high technology to advance us as, as a, a, a nation power to control other nations, And then, of course, they're going to say, yeah, if we can get this tech, yeah, you can take some DNA from people, but, uh, um, you know, that's okay. That's called collateral damage.
0: Oh, (laughs) I don't like that. So um, I know somebody who, I don't really know anything about Anunnaki, to tell you the total truth, (laughs) but I know somebody who's really afraid of the Anunnaki because they say that, I don't know if we're going to be a, a slave race of the Anunnaki, or we already are. Do you know anything about that story?
1: Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, um, and and it's hard to tell what the truth of it is. But but yeah, it is. it's people have said that that we are of a, a basically a slave race right now. That but, but just don't know it, and we've been mm. controlled and manipulated and 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 so forth, but I, I don't know the totality of that truth. I mm-hmm. mean there's a lot of speculation out there and and I would be just speculating as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So so far it's pretty much doom and gloom for people. Um, but <laughs> I are they there's other alien races too, right? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And and I think some of them are positive.
1: Yeah. From, from the recent channeled uh, information, most all of them are positive and, and of the light and of a higher frequency. And, uh, and, and, yeah, there is, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, the reptilians and, uh-huh. and that being of a, a negative force um, on this planet even now. Um, uh-huh. you'll hear uh people like david ike talking about this quite a bit and um and other people but i think by and large um it's probably who of us as as the spirit beings that we are is to just uh receive the love and the light from the ones that are here and the ones that we do interact with um and they're our space brothers, and they're out there waiting for us to join them.
0: So, um, what's your take on the many cultures who feel like they come from the stars, like the Hopi and the Dogon?
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot of valid stuff. Um, there's, there's a lot of talk about that, and, uh, it, you know,
0: Aborigines
1: cultures, Indian cultures, in Peru. Uh-huh so forth i think there's a lot there's a lot to that and uh and some of that evidence is right in front of us and in plain sight Uh, if you uh you look at certain places of the world where they have the uh the cave paintings and stuff where there's various beings and various crafts and Mm -hmm. energy forms and things like that and and uh you almost have to look at it as it's it's someone making a record. And mm-hmm. the only way that they could then is, you know, using uh, these special paints that they developed and they drew it on the walls uh, for us to look at later. You know, there was mm-hmm. no other way to, to do that. And I think a, a, all that stuff, all of the legends and things. There's a lot of truth in legends. Um, yeah. If dig deep enough.
0: Yeah. So I get if you know if if your whole culture has that belief. You know, we come from the stars. But there's a lot of people out there too who say that they're star seeds, so they're not connected to one of those cultures. So how would somebody know that they're a star seed, and what does that actually even mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question, and, um, and I've given that some considerable thought. Um, you do have a lot of people, um, you got a lot of videos online where people will say, you're a starseed if you fit these requirements. And mm-hmm. it'll be all of these things of I've got ADHD, I'm rebellious, um, I don't seem to fit in, Um, I don't like being around crowds. I like the solitude. I like nature and all of this. Mm -hmm. And as valid as a lot of those things sound, the truth is we don't really know who's a starseed and who isn't. But I think that we're all really starseeds. We're all Mm. from the stars and we were all seeded here. Many, many thousands of years ago, um, this planet was seeded and was formed and, and started taking life in the various densities, from, from first density to third density that, that we're in right now. And then, you know, we're on our process for ascension in the fourth density, the density of love. Um, and I'm, I'm referring to the, the, uh, the raw material. But on the starseed Uh question, um, I think we're all from, we're all seated here. We're all come back here because we need to learn more lessons that we didn't learn in the past life. And that a lot of us are volunteers that have volunteered to come back here to earth to help in the ascension process. And it may just very, very well be that some of us are here just to shine our light and our love to the people around us, and you know, maybe just walking through a crowd of people is all it takes to do that. You know, just going for a walk in the mall and just saying, okay, I'm going to enlighten some people today, and you just walk through the mall, and your energy and your love can radiate to those people just through your thought and your intentions. Mm
0: -hmm. So what do you think of these starseed meditations that are on YouTube? Is Is there any validity to that? like awaken to the star seed in you? I'm not really sure. You know, I've seen it, but I, I haven't like gone into it.
1: <laughs> I think anything is possible when you put the right intention behind it. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the most powerful thing in the universe is thought. And our thoughts are so powerful. And when we project our thoughts for any given thing, um we we manifest that we become our most predominant thoughts, so yeah, 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 I think so so um, when you said that we're
0: all seated, then is that saying that um you know, like on chariots of the gods and ancient aliens that that our gods are. Alien. So it's sounding like you're saying that that's not true. We're just, they're more like our ancestors, our brothers?
1: Yeah, I think in the, in the terms of, of what people called years ago the gods that come from the stars, I think a lot of those were our space brothers that were here, that come down here to, to help and assist us and to guide us along um, because we needed a little bit of help. And, of course, they did. They called them the gods. Anybody who could come in on a uh, flaming chariot, uh, mm-hmm. as you're referring to, is um, is is along those lines. And, of course, anybody thousands of years ago, they would have called them the gods, you know, out of superstition and, and so forth. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of that was alien contact.
0: Okay. And what do they have to do with human spirituality? I mean, I could understand if it were like um, the resources thing. We want to give you technology. Maybe you have some, we want cows or, you know, uh, we want minerals or something like that. But why spirituality? It's intangible. They can't see it. Can you kind of fill in that blank?
1: Sure. um I think on the spiritual side they're they're there trying to guide us all the time we're we're always in contact with with our guides uh, guardian angels um, we're never alone we're never ever alone we have such beauty and love around us all the time um, whether we know it or not in this density sometimes we may not feel it. Um, on this plane but we're all connected to those in the stars and to our higher self and us being the multi-dimensional beings that we are
0: so it's just about love then
1: it is all about love Mm
0: -hmm. okay and some of this channeled material talks about Jesus is that um, a part of your understanding and how does Jesus fit in with the intergalactic community?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, Jesus was an ascended master um, who come back here uh, to help guide and nurture and to, uh, to help us ascend. And the, the short years of those teachings were, were here to... To help us, to help guide us along, and um, you know, um, there's been a, a lot of a lot of different masters, uh, Jesus and and uh, and and actually, Jesus' name is is really Jehoshua. Um, that's some channeled information. Um, and uh, and then we have Krishna and Buddha and all the other spiritual beings that, that who knows, could have been that same being that just come back in different form and in a different country with a very similar uh, message.
0: Do you ever find that the channeled material contradicts, like, you know, Judy's channeled material
1: contradicts with Joe's? Yeah, there's, there's some of that. Um, there's some of that, but uh, by and large... I see a uh, a commonality um in it uh, uh, particularly with the uh Michael Newton material Dolores Cannon and um and also the uh the raw material. Um I recently got very interested in the raw material and have been studying it and it makes such absolute sense to me um about us basically being here to choose the polarity, the polarity of, of uh, service to others, uh, the polarity of love, or the polarity of, of service to self, which they refer to as a more of a negative polarity, not saying that's good or bad, but just the polarity of thinking, and the, the raw material will state that For us to ascend the fourth density or the density of love, that we need to be in service to others at least 51% of the time. And to transcend the negative polarity of service to self, uh, you need to be spending 95% of your time just on you. Okay.
0: Okay. And um, can you tell us about your DMT experience that was about pure love?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, This was a pretty wild experience, um, experience in uh, Bufo Alvarez, the uh, frog secretion. And um, basically, um, as soon as that uh, hit me, um, as I laid back, I suddenly, without warning, transcended to a different density totally from here. It was a, a shock to the system. My body went fully electric, and I was suddenly transformed into a place of love. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like somebody was there going hey you're in the place of love now welcome to this <laughs> reality it was it was it was a knowing that was coursing through every fiber of my being and it was beautiful it was just all love and I was looking up in one corner and there was these these stars that were beaming at me like five or seven stars and I had this sense of like like, that's home. It mm. was brilliant, and it was so beautiful. It was the most beautiful light in a sea of blackness. And, and then, of course, I could feel all of these things coursing around my body, around my energy body, and I was just enveloped with it. My, my whole body was was swimming in this sea of love. And it was a a direct knowing. Um, It wasn't like a a hallucination, which a lot of people would downplay that as, well, you were just hallucinating, dude. Uh, It -hmm. was much more than that. It was a total space of of infinite love and all knowledge and understanding and connectedness and, to put it simple, the oneness, because there is no separation in the universe. We are all connected as one.
0: So was it like those, when you hear people have near-death experiences and it's life-changing, was it like that?
1: Very much like that. Um, I, and, and, of course, I don't have a reference frame for that other side except from what I've heard from people, and I've uh-huh. studied quite a bit about near-death experiences. Yeah, I would say very much like that, but but this was... Um, I don't know. This was uh, very cosmic. It was very, very very different. And when I come out of it, um, you know, I was crying profusely. I was mm-hmm. hugging my friends that were there that were in ceremony with me. And I was laying on the floor, and I was crying out of the sheer beauty and the magnificence of what I had just experienced. It was mm-hmm. it was a, pr- a lot to take in. Mm-hmm.
0: And was I can see how that would be a spiritual experience, but did it uh, was there some sort of connection in your knowing that it had something to do with ET?
1: No, um, actually, not at all. Okay. Uh, okay, I didn't. I I didn't get that. I didn't get that sense of that. Ah. I got us that 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 I was just in a place of connectiveness with. Everyone and everything and connected to source energy. To to it. connected it to the divine.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. well that's really interesting. So thanks for coming on and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to today's podcast. Please like, share, subscribe or donate if you're inspired by any way and keep that love chain going. We are a listener supported station and we need your donations to keep going if you don't have it to share, liking and subscribing actually does help our stats so more people see us, so you can help in that way. So thanks, guys, and thanks for the topic suggestions. Please keep them coming, and we'll see you next week.
1: Okay, thank you.